Okay, um, today we have uh, uh, David with us, and I think that uh, some of you may have heard him preach to us before. Uh, his church, Hosanna Baptist, and our church sort of have this exchange, sort of partnership sort of thing going on. So I'll be preaching at his church uh, in a month's time as well. But I think for those of you who have heard David before, uh, we all know that he's a very faithful uh, preacher and teacher of God's Word. And uh, he's also, for some of you who have been to Focus in Australia, uh, David was also there. So maybe I'll ask David to come up now, okay, so that we can... Uh, uh, maybe welcome him. Okay, David, so uh, you've been here twice, right? So um, anything interesting happening to you in the time since you've uh, come here last? I'm gradually decaying internally, so... <laughs> okay, okay, just uh, last another 45 minutes. That's all that matters. Okay, uh, maybe we'll go to God in prayer now and uh, really commit... Uh, this time to him and really pray for David, his servant, that he will preach to us faithfully and for our own hearts that the Holy Spirit will guide us. So let's bow our heads in prayer. Dear Father, as we come before you today, uh, we open your word with expectation because your word uh, instructs us and teaches us uh, the way to salvation and eternal life. We pray for David that uh, indeed you will preach to us faithfully from your word and to really uh, open our hearts and that your Holy Spirit will uh, teach us, comfort us, rebuke us, uh, correct us uh, in our Christian walk and that uh, really we'll be able to connect with your word and to listen to it for it truly teaches us the right way to live before you as we wait for Jesus to return again. And we pray for all these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, thank you Andrew and thank you all uh, for giving me this opportunity to speak here. Uh, Someone told me that this is a younger crowd and I feel at home here, a uh, younger crowd. I'm, uh, I look young, uh, as I said, uh, to, you know, in response to Andrew's uh, question, I, I'm, I look young, but uh, it's all decaying and rotting inside. I'm, uh, <laughs> my knees are aching, you know, my bones, you know, and my neck. Uh, yeah, I, uh, we, we know that we are uh, getting closer to heaven. Anyway, uh, today... I've uh, chosen to speak uh, on uh, Mark chapter 4 and uh, it's, a, it's a message uh, that I think will encourage us uh, at the same time as I said this morning in the earlier service that uh, this is also to encourage myself to keep trusting uh, in God and His Word. Well, today uh, we will examine these two parables of Jesus uh, that we just read. Uh, what are they about? Uh, verse 26 says, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed. And Jesus goes on to explain. And again in verse 30, uh, With what can we compare the kingdom of God? And verse 31, It is like this. And Jesus goes on to explain. So these two parables are about the kingdom of God. And what is, uh, the, kingdom of, uh, what is the kingdom of God? Well, we know that it's the rule or reign of God. As the realm or sphere in which God rules and reigns. But the question is, what is the kingdom of God like? Now, if Jesus had paused after his first line, uh, what would his disciples have said? Now, imagine Jesus uh, uh, giving out a sheet, right? Uh, fill in the blanks. The kingdom of God is like dot 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 blank. Uh, what would they have said? Now, maybe they would have said, the kingdom of God should be greater and more powerful than the Roman Empire. Or the kingdom of God is free from sickness and pain and suffering. Or the kingdom of God is free from evil and sin where the wicked will be punished, the righteous will be rewarded and the righteous will rule. 
all the kingdom of God is when people would respond to uh, Jesus uh, positively and embrace Him and worship Him as King. You know, wow, that would certainly look like the kingdom of God. But similarly, if we did a, if we were to do a survey among Singaporean Christians uh, and ask them what they think the uh, kingdom of God is like, uh, maybe most people would say, "Oh, well, the kingdom of God is where there is victory over sin and sickness." There will be uh, prosperity and blessings all around. Uh, no more problems between people, relationship problems. No more anxieties about our children. Uh, no more exams, you know, uh, and all that. Uh, and success in everything that we do. Right? We like to hear that. But is that what it is really like? Now, it's important to understand why Jesus told these two parables. Uh, so we look at the background. Now, from Mark's Gospel, we, we understand, right? That uh, from the beginning, Jesus, Mark wants us to know that Jesus has come to bring in God's kingdom. And in chapter 2 and 3, Jesus is shown to be the one who comes with the authority of God's king. And at the beginning of chapter 4, you remember, the crowds came to Jesus. It was a very large crowd. Uh, Jesus was obviously, obviously very popular. And so the large crowd was, uh, it was so large that uh, Jesus had to sit on a boat and the crowds would line the shore of the lake to listen to him. Now, after he finished his parable, which uh, was the parable of the four soils, in which he challenged the people to listen carefully to his words, the words of the kingdom, the crowds suddenly disappeared. Right? What was left was Jesus' disciples and maybe a smaller group of followers. Now, I hope that you're, you're beginning to see or, or feel what's happening here. Now, from the very start of Jesus' ministry, his own disciples got to see firsthand that things would not be easy for him. Yes, Jesus had come to bring God's kingdom, but this king's words did not go down well with the crowds. They all dispersed after he told them to listen carefully to him. While the religious leaders from the very beginning, they were opposed to his teaching. And even from the parable of the four swords, the disciples learned that Jesus, that from Jesus that things would not be triumphant and full of victory, you know. And, and, and even as Jesus establishes his kingdom by his word, most people will not respond to him positively. Now do you remember the parable of four soils? You remember the parable of four soils? Uh, at the beginning of chapter 4? There are four kinds of soils representing four kinds of responses to Jesus' words. Uh, first we have the hard soil, you know. Uh, Jesus, uh, some people are like that. Jesus' words do not enter their hearts. It is uh, sown, but is immediately taken away. Then others uh, are like the rocky soil. Uh, they love to receive Jesus' words, but uh, the word does not take root in their hearts. Right? So when trouble comes, uh, they stop believing. Then others are like the thorny soil. What's the thorny soil? They hear Jesus' words, they get excited, but they get distracted by the worries of life. Attraction of money and material things and God's word is being choked out and it dies. Then finally, there are those who are like the good soil. Right? They hear the word of Jesus and they accept it and they trust in it. Right? So out of four responses, you see, only one in four uh, is a positive response. Not a very good start. Now what kind of kingdom is this? What kind of kingdom is this? Even the king's words are not accepted, let alone rule in people's hearts. This kingdom of God doesn't seem to be much of a kingdom at all. 
And what is this bunch of followers like? They are not influential, they are not scholars, they are not rich, they are not powerful. Right? Just fishermen, tax collector, and whatever else. They are not very spectacular. They are despised. And this was what the kingdom of God looked like from the start. It was a depressing sight. Uh, It wasn't very attractive to people. And for this reason, the disciples might have felt disappointed and disillusioned. What kind of kingdom is this? Are we following the right king? But that's exactly what's wrong with what we see on the surface. Jesus had to tell these two parables to help his disciples see what is really happening below the surface. What is brewing underneath the seeming weakness and insignificance of the kingdom. And these two parables function to correct our vision of God's kingdom. Now, as sinful human beings, we often respond uh, to things uh, to what we see and what we feel, or we sense people, right? And we make our judgments based on what we see, hear, and feel. And often, what we see and feel uh, uh, on the outside is not reality, you know. And so we have to be corrected. So Jesus says to his disciples, "This is." what the kingdom of God is like. Right? Uh, what you see now, what it appears now, okay, uh, is, is what is just on the surface. But what I tell you is what it's really like. So, here is the secret. Number one, the kingdom of God is like the mysterious power of the seed to produce a harvest by itself. Let's look at verses 26 to 29. And Jesus said, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. Now the here the, the focus is not on the man, the focus of the parable is on the seed. It's all about what the seed does. And from the previous parable in chapter 4 verse 14, we know that this seed is the word of the kingdom. Uh, word of Jesus the king. Now Jesus says, the man scatters seed on the ground. And it's clear that this is good soil, okay? Good ground. And he does not do much more than sow the seed. And he comes back into the story only in verse 29. And when he comes back, he comes to harvest the crop. So the man's part is limited only to the beginning and the end of the story. Now, uh, I'm going to share a story, uh, my own story. I've been part of a drama competition before. That was in secondary school. Some of you heard that this morning. Okay, you can laugh again or you don't, whatever. Well, uh, I can't really remember my role, okay? Uh, I probably did not do much, right? So I entered the scene, I did something, and I set up for the most, most of the whole, you know, thing, and then entered at the end, right? And the good news is, uh, we, we, we came, uh, uh, we, we, we got the runners up prize, right? That, that's, that's really encouraging. But I have to tell you, there were only two groups competing. And so, uh, anyway, the man in the parable, okay, had no role in the growth of the seed. Okay? And in between the sowing and the harvesting, he does absolutely nothing. Uh, actually, that's not true. He does something. But, that, but what does he do? He sleeps and he rises night and day. Uh, that's not too encouraging, okay, but that's, that's what he does in the meantime. Now, of course, there's an exaggeration. This is a parable. It wasn't meant to be a biography of a farmer. But the focus of the parable is the fact 
that growth of the seed is independent of the man's activity. He sleeps and he rises night and day. And what happens? The seed sprouts and grows. How? He does not know. Now, look at verse 28. It tells us how. The earth produces by itself. First the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. In other words, the growth is not the man's work. It is the work of God. Now the word translated here in verse 28, uh, it produces by itself. That's the, the, the word uh, we get our English word automatic from. Okay, The farmer is not involved at all in this part of the growth. In fact, he's clueless how the seed grows. But we are told that it grows automatically. It grows slowly, gradually, but surely it is the work of God. Now the point is that the seed once sown on good soil will definitely take root and grow. It is in the DNA of the seed. It is programmed to grow from the very beginning. Uh, it is built in with energy that is waiting to burst into life once it is planted. And once planted, the seed takes on from there. Uh, the harvest day is inevitable. It is just a matter of time. I'm sure many of you have uh, done this science experiment before. You know, put the green bean on uh, you know, uh, cotton wool with lots of water. Right, and then wait for it to to grow. Right. Uh, uh what do you do? Just you just put the seed there, and uh, and 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 it will grow automatically. You sleep, right, night and day, and then you look at it, and then one day it sprouts and it grows. You have no part in its growth. It just grows. Now, looking at the seed, smiling at it, you know, cheering it, will not do anything. Will not do anything. It grows automatically. Okay. Uh, in the same way, the kingdom of God is like the mysterious power of the seed to produce a crop by itself. So let's look at the implications for us. How do we apply? What does it mean for us today? Well, I think we need to confess our impatience and faithlessness. We must learn to wait and know that God will surely grow His kingdom. Now many times when we look around us, we become discouraged by the condition of the Christian church today. We get impatient with our own spiritual progress. We get impatient with other people's spiritual progress. And large parts of the church in the world, in Singapore, uh, they are plagued by false teaching and Christians are so worldly. And so what do we do? We want to help God. And so we ask, what will grow God's kingdom in our lives, in other people's lives? What will grow His work in the church, here in Singapore and out there in the world? And what about our own situation? You know, So maybe we think, oh, maybe we need a good youth and young adults ministry with a very exciting and attractive program. Maybe we need a very exciting and attractive youth and young adults worker. Or maybe we need very fun children's ministry uh, Maybe we need to get someone in with clowning experience to get the kids all excited. Maybe we should move to a new location. Okay, that's for my church, you know. Move out of comfort zone. We don't have a place. We, we rent a place. Uh, maybe better music on Sunday. We can up the tempo, you know. Bang the drums a bit harder. Uh, or maybe we need some more solemn music, some mystery in our Sunday service, you know. We need to be reflective and contemplative. We need some smells and bells, incense or some candles to just spice up the whole atmosphere. We need better strategy, a better plan or vision to grow the church. And so we conclude, if we do this or if we do that, maybe, you know, God will grow His kingdom. Maybe, oh yeah. 
But what do we learn from this parable today? Well, we learn that God's kingdom will surely grow independent of us. Yes, we do the sowing, but apart from that, it is God who brings about the growth. And so we must be expectant. We must not be impatient. We must wait for God to do His work, which He will do. And we know for sure that growth will surely happen. Just as the seed is programmed to grow and burst into life, the seed of the kingdom will surely result in a harvest, an end-time harvest. Now, as I was uh, downstairs for morning tea, uh, Mark, Mark came to me and, and, and uh, chat with me about the sermon. And I, I, I have to add something here that I missed out uh, this morning. Uh, because this is God's work. Uh, okay, I, I, he is a very helpful brother. Uh, because this is God's work, as we sow the seed, I think what I missed out is we must pray. We must pray. Pray that as we sow the seed of the kingdom, that God will indeed do something. We need to ask God to do something. And so we need to be praying and working and sowing the seed. And we can be sure that God will indeed do His work. Okay, so that's my extra that the morning people, the, the, the first session didn't get. Okay, so you can tell them uh, that this is the revised version. Secondly, the kingdom of God is like an insignificant and tiny seed, which when planted grows into a surprisingly enormous shrub. That's the second point. Look at verse uh, 30 to 32. And Jesus said, With what can we compare the kingdom of God, or what parable shall we use for it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which when sown on the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on the earth. Yet, when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. Now here we learn that the kingdom of God starts off small and insignificant. It's like a, the gra- a grain of mustard seed. I, I, I did some research somewhere, I don't know, but it says that the mustard seed is more like dust than seed. Okay, it's, it, it, 700 grains of mustard seed weighs just one gram. Uh, that's how small it is. Right? It's like dust. More than, it's, it's like, yeah, it's dust. Right? But what's uh, amazing and, and, and shockingly unexpected is that this tiny little dust-like particle called the mustard seed can grow into a huge, enormous garden shrub, about 10 to 15 feet high. Uh, that's that, that's amazing, and that's what's amazing about the kingdom of God. It starts off really small, appears very insignificant, very weak, often despised, and uh, usually go unnoticed. Not very glamorous, doesn't look very powerful, uh, doesn't appear to be like any kingdom at all. Now the disciples, I'm sure, knew what Jesus was talking about. Now compared to Rome, ah, the kingdom of Je- that Jesus came to bring, look. Very weak in comparison. Look pitiful. Jesus himself, the king, he was treated with contempt and despised by the people. His message was often seen as foolishness to people. His disciples, just a band of nobodies. The king himself, he was walking to his death. But what people don't often realize is what the kingdom of God is going to be. Not only is it programmed to grow, it is destined to grow into something really big. This apparently tiny, insignificant kingdom is going to grow into something really huge. Look at verse 32. Right? It is, it eventually it grows up 
right, to be really big. In other words, the end result will be completely out of proportion to its humble beginnings. Now, this morning I, I, I spoke about football. I, uh, maybe this crowd will know better. Right? Okay. Uh, I, I'm a Tottenham Hotspur fan. Okay. Any football fans here? Only one. Oh, yo. Okay, okay. Anyway, I'm a Tottenham Hotspur fan, and some of you would say, huh? <laughs> okay, you only know Manchester United, Liverpool, and all that. Okay, I'm a Tottenham Hotspur fan. I'm a very uh, a faithful fan. I uh, started supporting Tottenham Hotspur since 1980, uh, 1980, okay? The FA Cup double, 81-80-81. Anyway, um, last season, okay, Tottenham Hotspur played Arsenal, arch-rivals, okay? North rivals okay? On Arsenal's ground. And Spurs, my team, okay, were losing 2-0, okay, at halftime. <laughs> but don't laugh, don't laugh. I, I saw someone cheering at the, at the back, okay? At the end, okay, at the end, okay. We need to always come back to the end of the story, right? We beat Arsenal 3-2, okay, to get full points. Totally unexpected, totally unscripted. But that's what the kingdom of God is like. It's even bigger and better than this, okay? Uh, it starts off, okay, small, okay? And here we see in Mark's Gospel, it starts off with a group of nobodies in Palestine. But one day, it will grow into a global movement that will include people of every nation. And now that's what it means when Jesus says, the birds will come and nest in its shade. This garden shrub will be so big that the, the branches can be a refuge for the birds. And, and this is a reference to the Old Testament picture of the future. Right? One day, says the prophets, God will establish His kingdom and it won't be only for Israel, but uh, the great nations symbolized by the birds in the tree will come and find shelter in God's kingdom. This is God's plan from the beginning. The scope of God's blessings is the nation's. And, and now we, we, what we see here is that something so small and seemingly unimportant, insignificant will one day become a global movement. And it will one day be visible to all eventually. The key lesson here is that Jesus' disciples must not judge the end result of the kingdom of God from the appearance now. Now this is usually our problem. Right? As human beings, we often see the reverse we often think otherwise. But here is the truth from Jesus. In fact, the end of the story has been, or, uh, has been written. It will be a glorious ending. So what does it mean for us today? It means we should not be deceived by the present smallness or weakness of the kingdom of God. And dear friends, this is what it seems on the outside. To start off for many people, the Christian message is quite hard to believe, right? When you tell your friends about the gospel, it seems foolishness to them. Uh, what is this message about a God-man who came to die and was raised on the third day to bring forgiveness of sins and to reconcile men to God? People just don't understand. It's incredible. It's just quite unbelievable. Now when we talk about sin and getting right with God through Jesus Christ, people look at us and it's just blank and they laugh at us. It's you know, doesn't make sense. Furthermore, we look at the Christian church today. It doesn't look like a mighty force to be reckoned with. Now, often we receive news from our mission partners in India, our church, Hosanna Baptist Church, we are supporting missions in India. 
and we receive news, sometimes they face great opposition and persecution, right? From their own family and from their own village. Christian families live in fear in those kind of environments. Christian girls are threatened with rape. Christian men are pressured to give up their faith in Christ or else they face violent beatings. They are not even allowed to attend their own children's funeral. And I don't think we have the slightest idea of the cruelty and wickedness that Christians in these countries face for their faith. And now what, uh, 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 what, what does that make the kingdom of God look like? It looks powerless, it looks pitiful, weak. And then when we look at our own church, you know, when we, I look at my own church, and maybe you look at yours, I don't, it's not grand, you know. Uh, for us, we don't even have a space of our own. We, we rent our space. Uh, Sunday attendance, not, not very flattering. People come and go. Uh, if we don't talk about numbers, let's talk about quality. How about our, our own spiritual progress? I'm sure as we look into our own lives, we, we, we are very aware there are lots of areas that we need to work on and lots of areas we need to grow. We, we, just, we are not satisfied with our own spiritual progress. We have a long way to go. And is this what the kingdom of God is like? Is the reality is, is a struggle. Right? And it looks like we are like a, a speck of dust. Uh, we are not shaking the world very much, uh, like planet, shake, planet shakers, uh, let, alone, let, let, let alone impacting the world. Uh, now, this was exactly what it seemed like from the very beginning when Jesus told His disciples this parable. He wants them to know that uh, what they see now is not what it will be. The end of the story is a glorious one. The end of the story is a victorious one. God's kingdom will eventually and certainly triumph. The progress of growth has started. We might not see it very clearly, but slowly and surely it will grow and there will be a harvest. My dear friends, these parables function to encourage us. God's kingdom will be opposed, rejected, it will look weak, powerless and so on. And Jesus' disciples too will be the same. But the truth is that it will be unstoppable and one day it will be noticed by all. So, finally, the final implication here, application for us. This is an encouragement for us to keep sowing the word of the kingdom because we know the end of the story. Dear friends, we need to understand the means by which God will grow His kingdom. It is not by human strategy. It is not by human cleverness or programming or personalities. It is by His powerful word. The seed that is programmed to give life and grow. The kingdom of God is going to grow in our lives and in others, in our church, in our nation and in the world when we speak and proclaim His powerful word. This is the means by which God has chosen to use. And again, we must remember that the growth is ultimately not dependent on us, but on Him and His word. And so we pray and we do our part. That is why Jesus' own earthly ministry, He showed that by preaching the Word, that was His priority. Because He understood its power. In spite of people's negative responses to Him, He continues to preach. He did not discourage Him. He knows what the future will be. Now, yes, the work is hard, challenging, and often it seems fruitless, 
But that's not the end of the story. The end has been written. And so this encourages us to keep sowing the word generously and uh, freely and we need to wait and let it grow. We can have great hope. And as long as God's word is proclaimed and heard, growth will happen. Now dear friends, uh, the question is, do we believe in this? Do we believe in this? If we do, then uh, how will it change our attitude or encourage us to speak God's word to our friends and our family, to our, mm, okay, I, I said here to our children, I, some of you, yeah, okay, and uh, to one another in the church, in our growth groups, our cell groups. How do we speak the word to one another, trusting that God will use His word to grow us? Uh, even though you might not see positive results now. Uh, will you carry on doing the sowing faithfully and prayerfully trust in God to continue uh, to do His work till the very end, knowing that there will be an end time harvest? Nothing will grow God's kingdom but His word. Now the great reformer Martin Luther was once asked how the Reformation happened. He said, I simply taught, preached, and wrote God's word, otherwise I did nothing. And then, while I slept and drink Wittenberg beer, the word did it all. Okay, this is not encouraging you to go and drink Wittenberg beer, but the point is, he taught, preached, and wrote God's word, and God did the rest. Now with this parable of the kingdom, Jesus is preparing us to face reality with a view to the future. And it's always very important to know what's at the end. That's very encouraging, right? Uh, it, our work is not futile. We know what is going to happen at the end. So we do not lose heart. And so we keep sowing God's word and let God grow His kingdom. Now there may be some of you here who are not part of God's kingdom yet. You have not trusted in Jesus' words, the words of the kingdom. But this encouragement for you, as you hear this, to be part of this Wonderful work of God in gathering people to Him. To trust in Jesus' words. To respond to Him. To obey Him. And be part of this marvelous kingdom. Let us pray. Father God, we thank You for Your Word and we thank You for encouraging us. We thank You for Jesus' uh, parables here, teaching us about the kingdom of God about how the Word is so powerful to grow your kingdom. And Father God, we confess that many times we allow what we see and hear to affect us, to discourage us, to stop us from sowing the seed, your Word. Help us to persevere and patiently wait for you to do your work. Help us to pray that you will indeed grow your kingdom through your Word. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.